Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We are in a series, if you are new to our church, and we're going through the book of James and we're not going through it verse by verse per se, but we're looking at the overarching theme of the book of James, which is your spiritual maturity. And, you know, growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. It's kind of our catchphrase in this series. And, and I love that video because, you know, we raised three kids ourselves, Tara and I did. Our youngest is now 18 and accepted to Cal Luke, you know, so. And with three scholarships to boot, yay God. Um, so he's on his way uh, to Cal Lutheran, and that's a, a, a God story in itself. But I was just thinking of that milestone moment in each of my kids' lives when they learned how to walk. And, and I don't know what it is about parenting, but you just can't wait for that moment. You know, you're pushing your kid at eight months old, like, you gotta walk. And it's like almost like you're comparing it to other parents and their kids. Like, my kid learned how to walk at six months old. You're like, wow. It's like we're c competing with each other. It's like, well, my kid learned how to walk right out of the womb, you know? So there's no age that, you know, is the defined, you know, age where they learn how to walk. Every kid is different, but the, the bottom line is, is as they grow older, eventually they learn how to walk and they start walking and you just realize like, wow, my child, my baby is, is growing up into this bigger person. And, and it's just a, a crazy transition to watch that develop. And our spiritual development is, is almost exactly the same way that, that God came inside of us. And we became what the Bible calls being born again. But 
just because you are new to faith and just because like maybe there's some things in your life now doesn't mean that God is going to just leave those things there. He is on a pathway for your life to allow you to become the spiritually mature man or woman of God that he's created you and designed you to be on this earth. And so there's a process of spiritual development in your life. And and at one point, maybe you were crawling, but God is doing something phenomenal inside of you where you're going from crawling to walking. And what we're going to see in this morning's passage is that God uses faith, this word faith, to develop us and to allow us to be the spiritually mature men and women of God that he's designed us to be. So let me pray this. We're going to be in James chapter 2 this morning. Father, I thank you ahead of time for how you're going to use this message to ignite something in us, Lord, that maybe hasn't really been on fire lately. I I pray, God, that this morning's message would awaken us to living the lifestyle that you have called us divinely to live out and help us to become those spiritually mature men and women for your kingdom that you've called us to be. And we thank you in advance for how you're going to do that. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. James chapter 2 says this. It says, what use is it, my brethren, my brothers and sisters, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and they shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled saying, and Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now this is kind of a controversial passage with some people when it comes to their understanding of salvation. Meaning that we understand that there's nothing we can do to earn the favor of God in our lives. It's all about Jesus and what he did for our lives. Not by any works that we could do. So it doesn't matter how good of a person you are, what kind of works that you do, there's no amount of good works that you can do that will earn your way to heaven. The only way you are going to go to heaven is by placing your faith completely in Jesus Christ who died for your sins and resurrected from the grave so that you could live the life that God has always called you to live. You are saved by faith alone in that respect. 
But let me add this. Saving faith is never alone. Meaning that when faith, when genuine relationship with God is cultivated inside of you, it's always accompanied by a changed life. That means that you start making decisions that propel you towards God instead of just staying where you're at or maybe even going the opposite direction. See, in my years of being a pastor, I've observed something within the church. The church has kind of lost its edge with culture. We've lost it. And I think for the most part, the church is this organization that meets on Sunday, that kind of, it feels good for, for a lot of people, but the church that Jesus founded was never supposed to be a once a week activity. The church that Jesus founded was this powerful, not organization, but an organism that impacted every detail of our lives. And we read about this kind of church in the book of Acts. That's why as a, a church, you need to understand that what we do as Christians is we look at the book of Acts and say, that's the way God's designed us to live for his kingdom. If you want to know what your life is supposed to look like living for God in his kingdom, you read the book of Acts. And you read some of the things that are happening there. But what I want to challenge you today and what James is saying to us today is faith is to our spirit as muscles are to our body. Meaning that our muscles, when we work them, we get stronger and we grow and, and, and we're able to do more things the more muscles that we develop. Right, Jade? He's my, he's my physical fitness uh, expert here. So our, our physical muscles get developed the more we use them. And in the same likeness, the more that you use the faith that is being given to you, the more you exercise that faith, the more God is using that faith to develop your spirit and to develop you and give you more and more momentum and progress towards the ultimate goal that God has for you and the person that God has created you to be on this earth. He wants to develop that faith. And this letter that James is writing to the early church, they came into this place of complacency. There's this, there's this season of their, their, their life in Christ that they kind of are like, I've, I've been there and I got the t-shirt. I, I, I've, I've done what I'm supposed to do and so now I'm just gonna kind of enjoy just this space that I'm living in. And, and so they thought, hey, we put our faith in Jesus and so that's all we need to do. And James is getting on to them saying, that's not real faith. Faith isn't just saying, hey, this is what I believe. Faith is actually believing something and then pushing your life towards that belief. And so James is saying there's, there's this disconnection that is happening within the church. There's this kind of this apathy. Or I should say, using the muscle term, there's this atrophy that's happening that where people aren't using the faith factor in their life and they're kind of just getting weaker and weaker. I think of the church that we kind of are accustomed to. It's, it's not real powerful. I, I read in the letter that Paul writes to Timothy, he says, in the last days, there will be this form of godliness, but it won't have any power attached to it. The power aspect of your relationship with God is actually connected to how you're utilizing the faith that God has placed inside of you. 
And without that faith, your relationship with God is not going to feel very powerful. And see, here's what's happening. When you don't feel the power of God moving in you, it's a lot easier to start justifying doing old habits and going back to old ways. Temptations become a lot bigger because you are failing to see the power of how God is using you in your new relationship with God. But more than that, our children, when they're raised up in a home and they're not seeing the power of God being manifested in moms and dads and in aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas, see what happens is the kids make their own analysis about the church. And they say, this is irrelevant for my life. Boring. I don't want to just come and sit there and just listen to this guy, blah, 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 and just go home and, and not see anything actually real in my home, powerful in my home. And so what we see right now is we see a generation hitting their 20s and early 30s that are rejecting the church. And I propose a big reason they're rejecting the church is because the church has faith atrophy. We're not utilizing the very factor that God has given us so that we can grow and mature and progress and be the man and woman of God walking in the power of his spirit. There's a, a passage in the book of Acts. It's one of my favorite God stories in the book of Acts, and it's regarding a, a man named Philip. And Philip is a perfect example of a guy to study in the book of Acts because we see him come on scene in Acts chapter 6. He's a deacon. So he shows up to church, and he's one of these guys that's like, hey, I'll help. And, and the pastors were like, the apostles were like, we need help. We, we need people to organize and set up and tear down. And Philip's like, I'll do it. And so you see Philip come on scene. He becomes one of these deacons. And God starts using him, but he starts, because he steps into the space and he starts doing things for the kingdom of God, God starts elevating him in his positions in the kingdom of God. See, when you start putting yourself out there for God's kingdom, God will continue to elevate you and God will continue to change you from glory to glory. We talked about that a few weeks ago. You're in one glory right now, but if you continue to give yourself fully over to God, God is going to move you from the glory that you're in to a brand new level of glory, and it's going to be so much better than the level that you're on right now. Your faith is always going to be progressive. And Philip is that example. So he's walking from glory to glory. He goes from this position of waiting on tables, taking care of the admin stuff. Now God is using him as an evangelist, especially with the Samaritan race, which were different than the Jews. So he was kind of out of the box doing ministry, doing some outreach. God was using him. People were coming to Christ. And then in the middle of this space, we read this crazy story. It says, so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. There was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. So he was on his own spiritual adventure trying to connect with God. It says, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And Philip 
ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. We don't have time to go into the whole story, but what happens next is Philip ends up leading this Ethiopian eunuch to Christ, and then he ends up baptizing him. And then it says, the spirit snatched him up, and Philip just disappeared, and the eunuch's like, where was that guy? Like, where, where's that guy that was just talking to me? And, and God had moved Philip on to the next adventure. This is a crazy story, but here... Not only do I get excited because I read this and I was like, wow, what kind of a lifestyle is that, man? Where you're just like, you're doing your thing and the Spirit of God speaks to you and says, I need you to go over here. And you're just like, I know I'm supposed to do this. And I know I told you I was going to do this, but I was praying today and God wants me to go do this instead. And everyone's like scratching their head, especially the planners, the, the people that are really like, yeah, we have to follow this schedule. You know, you're, they don't like that kind of stuff. But Philip's like, I don't care. God told me to go do this. You know who was also like that? Jesus. Jesus lived a lifestyle where he was getting downloads from God every day on what he was supposed to be doing with his life. So I love this, that Philip is demonstrating the lifestyle that Jesus modeled for us to live. But not only do I get excited because I see Philip living out the Jesus lifestyle, but I know this to be true for my own life. For my own stories of, of how I felt that little nudge, I felt that little push to say, hey, go and talk to that guy or go and pray for that lady. And as I do these things, I've seen just the hand of God show up in a powerful way. See, my friend, this is living by faith. It's not just God speaking to your heart. Living by faith is hearing the word of God, but it's also getting up and going and being obedient to the word that God gave you. Let me tell you, the church has lost its get up. Can I say that one more time? The church has lost its get up. And I think there's some cultural influence because you think about kind of what kind of society we're living in. We don't like to get up. I mean, I remember a day, you kids that are under 30 years old, you don't remember this, but there was a day that we used to have to get up and turn the channel if we didn't like what we were watching. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You had to get up and you had to turn the dials, right? How many remember those days, right? Then if you had a kid, that was their assignment. Like, hey, you go turn that. <laughs> I was my dad's own remote control. All right, dad. But now what do we have? We have remote controls. But even more like current than that, now we don't even have to push a button. We have lost our get up so much, we are too lazy to push a button. Alexa, Siri, Google, hey Google, turn the channel. We don't even want to push a button anymore. So if we don't have to get up, if there is another way around a situation, we are not going to get up. Matter of fact, you know, we, I, I grew up in the fast food era, right? So we've always had McDonald's. Some of you, you, you know, you're, you're a little bit older than me and you remember a, a season of life where there were no fast food places, you know. God had not anointed In-N-Out Burger to be franchised yet. But, but I grew up eating fast food and, and so if you were hungry for a Big Mac, you would get in your car and, and you were like, oh, I'm going to go get a Big Mac and I'm going to go through the drive-thru. We have lost our get up so much, we don't even have to go to the drive-thru for McDonald's. We just, we got... We got the Uber Eats or the Dine and Dash or whatever it's called. We have lost our get up so much 
Matt Reby, we will call we will call a guy to go get McDonald's for us. Why? I don't want to get my car and go through a drive-thru. Here's the problem spiritually on a more serious note. That has leaked out into how we're living our life for God. Because here's the reality. God is speaking to us all the time. God is telling us things to do. God is telling us things not to do. And we have a choice. We make a decision. Am I going to get up and go do what God has called me to do? Or am I going to ignore it because I don't want to? If we have a choice of whether we want to get up or not, we're going to choose not to get up. But sometimes life pushes us into a position where we have no choice. I saw this demonstrated so well a couple trips ago when I went to Africa. And for those of you that, that may not be familiar, we have a ministry, we have a couple schools that we've adopted and we've really helped um, disciple a bunch of kids in uh, Zambia, Africa. We put some wells in. God's doing some phenomenal things. I'll tell you more about that in a couple of weeks. But we went to one of these remote villages in a trip back uh, a few years ago. And we were doing a healing service, deliverance service, and we had all of these people in this remote village coming up to us for prayer. And it was powerful. I mean, we saw the healing power of God manifesting more than I've ever seen in the United States at any kind of church service I'd ever been a part of. I mean, God was just healing people, delivering people of spirits. It was just, it was just radical book of Acts kind of stuff. But the team that I was with started kind of chuckling after I had prayed over this little four-year-old girl that came up in line. And they were like, Pastor, that is the most bizarre prayer we've ever heard anybody pray. But this little four-year-old girl came up, and I got down on my knee, and, and I just was asking the mom to tell me what was wrong. And the mom was saying that she's had severe headaches and, and to the point where, where she was getting nauseous and, and getting violently ill. And so I just laid hands on her head, and I began to pray. And, and here's... The, the spirit-led prayer, I prayed. I said, Lord, you know we don't have a Rite Aid down the street. And God, we know that we have to have you do a divine miracle for this little girl. And so, God, we pray in your power that you would deliver her better than any Advil or ibuprofen or Tylenol, whatever, give her in Jesus' name. And I said, how do you feel? The little girl smiled with the biggest smile and she skipped off and the mom said, thank you. And they just left. And I re we, we were there probably for two more hours. And then as I was getting in the car, I saw the same little girl. She was playing and she was totally, completely delivered of whatever it was that she had. I mean, it was miraculous. But here's the difference. Some of us, if we choose the power of God or Advil, we're just we're going to do what's easiest. And I'm not saying you shouldn't use Advil. I'm not saying you shouldn't use the, the medicine that God has put in our path to be able to use. All I'm saying is that if we don't have to get up, we're going to choose not to get up. But at the same time, we just feel in some ways that our relationship with God is just so weak and powerless. And when I read the book of Acts, that is not the church that I read about. The church is powerful. 
The church is transforming. The church is miraculous. And this is the same kind of lifestyle that God wants to put in our lives. There's no difference. There's nothing different from the way Philip was living to the things that God is doing in our day and age right now. The only difference is we've lost our get up. And I challenge you this morning, church, if you get your get up back, there's gonna be more powerful God stories breaking loose in your life. And when it comes time for the old ways and the old habits to start tempting you, you're gonna be like, no way, man. I would not give up the powerful ways that God is moving in my life for those old things because, man, this is too exciting. This is way exciting. See, I, I want to define real quickly what faith is because it, it tells us in the Bible what faith is. And so some of you are like, faith is a belief, right? It's more than belief. And I, I've got to define it for those of you that may be new to this idea of a relationship with God. It says in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Now the word assurance in the Greek is hypostasis. And hypostasis is, is a really profound word because it really means foundation. It means something that you stand on top of. To where when you're standing on it, you won't be moved. It's, it's sure. It's, it's set. It's a foundation. But that's not just all that faith is. It's not just this set idea like I know it, I believe it, I'm set on it. It's also the conviction of things not seen. And anytime you read the word conviction in the Bible, that means that you are so convinced of this thing, it moves you into a direction. Conviction always is there to move you and move your soul, move your spirit into a specific direction. That's what conviction is. So it's one thing to have this word, this set idea, this foundational belief system but that's only half of faith. The other half of faith is saying, I'm so sure of this, I'm moving my life towards this. That's faith. That's the get up and go part. And so what James is telling us is half of faith, if you just have the assurance without the conviction, you have no faith at all. It's dead. Dead faith is no faith. So in order to move in faith, you have to have both the assurance and the conviction. You have to have this part of you that's saying, I'm not only believing this to be the truth of what God wants me to do, I'm so convinced of it, I'm moving my life in that direction. I'm, I'm taking this step. Matter of fact, I love Martin Luther King Jr. We just celebrated his birthday a few weeks ago, but, but I love his way of defining faith. And, and basically, it says, faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. I love that quote. Isn't that a great quote? That's what faith is. I'm so sure I'm stepping in this, even though I don't know what the outcome is, but I'm so moved by this thing, I'm convicted to go, even though I don't know how this thing is gonna end up. This is the kind of life that God has wanted us to live from day one. And as we start beginning to live this way, that is when the powerful God stories start coming into your life. You've heard other Christians say these God stories. You're like, well, where's my God story? I'm telling you, that God story is there. But you have to believe. And you have to be so convinced of that belief, you move your life into that direction. That's where the miracles start happening. That's when the God stories start 
taking place. Matter of fact, in Hebrews 11, verse 6, this is a, a powerful thing it talks about. And, and Hebrews 11 is like the faith chapter. It even talks about what real faith looks like in men and women of old. And, and the one common denominator of all of the men and women listed in chapter 11 is they all did something with what they felt God tell them to do. Those names would not be in chapter 11 if they failed to do the things that God told them to do. Have you ever had an entrepreneur give you an idea and you're like, well, I got this idea, it's gonna be like a million dollar idea. And you're just like, dude, why are you even telling me? You're never gonna do anything with it. There's a lot of people that have ideas of things that God is telling them to do, but for some reason they stop short of doing it. If you wanna be cultivating a legacy of faith, then you gotta be a man or woman of God, that once you get this idea planted in you by God, and you're so convinced that God's in it, you do what God's telling you to do. It says, and without faith it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God wants you to step out in faith, and without faith it's impossible to please him, because you're not really relying on God. Jesus commended people that showed faith, and he distanced himself and actually admonished people that lived without faith. What would Jesus think of the church that we know today to be kind of the average church in America? I think he would say this is a church that is living their existence and their spirituality without any faith at all. How do you get this faith? It's really, it's defined in, in one, but I'm going to give it to you in a real simple two PowerPoint definition, number one, is if you want to have faith that works, get a word from God. That word is rhema in the Greek, and that is a personal word where God deposits something inside of you and says, this is for you. This is what I want you to do. This is what I've called you to do. It's a word. Now, a lot of times you're reading your devotion, and there will be a passage, and you're like, whoa, that's for me. God's convicting my heart. He's telling me I, I need to call this person, or I need to abstain from doing this very thing very thing that I'm supposed to do. That's a word from God. So in order to get the faith, you have to start with getting the word from God. Matter of fact, Romans, Paul writes it in this letter to the Romans. He says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word or the rhema of Christ. So faith is going to come to you by hearing from God. And here's what I want you to know. Every day, God has a word to give you. Every day, God has something he wants to plant inside of your soul so that you will operate more in faith than you do in your flesh. Can I say that one more time? So that you will operate more in faith than you do in your flesh. So how do you, how do you get this word? You, you have to be intentional to put yourself in a position to hear God. And you need to know something about God's voice. Is it is a whisper? quiet. It's a quiet talker. Have you ever met a quiet talker? Have you ever been in a conversation and you're like, what? I don't have that problem. Just telling you. Um, but like, I've talked to people and I'm like, huh? And then like lean in a little bit more and they're like, what? And have you ever said what so many times you just start agreeing with somebody because you just, you're, you're embarrassed? You're like, uh-huh. And then they cut, catch you later and go, remember I told you that? You're like, oh, no. Like, but you say yes. God is a quiet talker. You have to lean in. You have to, you have to pay attention. It's a whisper. So in order to hear a whisper, you have to get into a quiet space. 
And to me, there's two layers of quiet spaces that we have to deal with. There's, there's the, the, the space that we're in, the, the physical space that we're in, that we have to make sure like we're, we're dedicating ourselves to some kind of a, a physical space during the day where it's quiet. When my kids were little, my quiet space was 4 a.m. because that was the only time my house was quiet. Now my kids are a little bit older, so I can find my, my quiet space a little bit later in the day, which is a lot nicer. <laughs> but then there's, then there's the mental space. Because some of you can have the physical space quiet, but the mental space is so noisy. You know what I'm talking about? All the what ifs, all the things you got to do. You got to find out how you can quiet down your mental space. And the best thing I can tell you to do is out quiet that thing, quiet that mental space down is worship. Getting a hold of the presence of God because the presence of God has this way to quiet your mental space more than anything else that I've ever dealt with. Right? So getting a hold of a word, and God has a word for everybody. Have you ever watched Mission Impossible? I feel like every day God has a mission for me, a, a, an assignment. And if you've ever watched that show, right, you know, Ethan Hunt gets the phone call, and it's like, this message will self-destruct in 20 seconds, right? And the phone starts, and, and then that music, I, I think we need to live in a perpetual mission impossible space that God is looking to give us an assignment and it's up to us whether we choose to accept it or not. And just like Ethan Hunt's message just gets self-destructed, see, we can, we can hear God and, and, and not pay attention to it. And what happens is a month goes by and we completely forgot what it was that God said to us. Let me, let me tell you something about words from God. They have a short shelf life. A rhema of God has a short shelf life. You've got to act on it quickly. Don't let the grass grow under your feet. You hear a word from God, act on it. And that leads us to number two. And that is get up and go. Get up. Church, get your get up back. Get up when God says, hey, I have an assignment for you. I have something that I want you to do. See, without the distinction of the action, James says we're in the same camp as demons. Now, when they're reading this letter to the church, and he says that even demons believe, if if you were in that living room when that letter was being read, that would just like hit you right in the stomach. Because that's what he's saying. He's saying, without any get up, you are in the same level as demons. Because demons believe in the word. Demons understand the word of God. They, matter of fact, they respect it that they shudder, but here, they don't live it. The difference between us and demons is that we believe in the word of God and we live the word of God. Demons don't live the word of God. So what James is basically telling the church is that you're living more like demons than you are like followers of Jesus. That had to punch him right in the gut. Wow. Think about your own life right now. You believe in God. Gave him your life. But how much are you living by the faith that you claim you have in him? There's got to be a part of you that has a get up and go. Um, when we started this new church, 
there was a season between the time that God gave us a word and the time that we started it that I, I will tell you, and I'll be totally transparent with you, I was a little scared because I had, like, my comfort zone was there. I had a large church. I had a staff. I had everything in place to continue to be able to thrive, but there was, there was a component of my life that, that wasn't connecting, and that was, like, my family and, and my ministry life, and I was like, man, that's not working out. But then when God began whispering to me to start this new church, I was like, man, I got to start all over again. And I have some buddies in my life, man. They were not encouragers. They were like, are you dumb? Why are you going to start all over again? Like, you're getting close to 50, man. You don't want to go start all over again. But I said, but what if God is telling me to do it? I have to do it. And then Tara and I stepped out and we did it. And we met the most amazing group of people. And then this church got, take, you know, we took off. And we started doing these pre-launch services and, and God was just in it. And the finances were there. People were giving us finances and trailers and showing up. And we were having these divine connections all over the valley. And every time I would look up to heaven and go, God, is this for real? And I just felt like he was smiling saying, high five. I just, it was like... You're being obedient. He says, Jim, there's a flavor of relationship that you have with me that I want to share with the rest of the world. And I don't want to just keep it in Bakersfield. I don't want to just keep it in Vegas. That Thousand Oaks and Westlake Village and Camarillo and Moore Park and Simi Valley and, and Newberry Park, they need it. They need to be people that live by the faith that I died in order to give it telling you guys, when you have a get up and go moment, it can not only change you because you see the power of God move in your life, <laughs> it can actually give somebody else a miracle. This is a, a video I want to show you from my friend, Adam. Adam was living in Vegas. We did some ministry together. He moved to Seattle, Washington. And he's a worship leader. And Adam's just a super cool guy. But he was actually getting into his car a normal day, and there was this dude walking on a sidewalk. And he just had that word from God to say, go pray for him. And he had a hurt wrist. And he didn't know what the injury was, but what did he do? He got up, and he went. And he prayed for this guy. And what happened next was caught on a selfie video. Go ahead and watch this. This is, this is my new friend, Teldon. Say what's Hi. up. Hi, my name's Teldon. I, uh, I was just getting in my car and I, I just ran into Teldon and uh, he was telling me that uh, it's a miracle that he's alive because he suffered some wounds. He suffered some gunshots and it's rendered his hand immovable, unusable, um, and, he's, uh, and, and it's just been setback after setback. And uh, we just prayed right now because I, I just told Teldon that, that Jesus loves him. Teldon, why don't you just tell everybody what just happened? Um, I haven't been able to use this arm in a really long time. Here's the scar. Um, I was shot, and I never thought I'd be able to even move this wrist. Whoa. And um, this somehow he said a prayer, and I can actually move it in a full circle. Come on. No pain at all. <laughs> That's amazing. You, never... had a, you had a brace on your hand. Yes, I was wearing this. Was the... and now When's I... the last time you took that off? Um, I, first time right now. No way. Yeah, well, I mean, I, showers, but even then. Yeah. Well, I, It was I, very, very 
Yeah, and it's painful. Now I don't have any pain. When 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 you realized that you could move your hand after the first time in a long time, you felt like a real emotion because you could feel I a warm. It. You you like you feel like there's activity. There's something going on in your hands. Um, and uh, and you know, I just want to remind you again that it's 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 he loves you. He has a plan for your life. You know what I'm saying? And 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 uh, it it wasn't that I did this. Jesus did this, and and he wants to know you. And uh, so awesome. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. What can you do now that you couldn't do? Uh, I can. That's cool. I could probably live a normal life again, for one. Come on. I mean, you I could probably work now. That's awesome. Because you haven't been able to, right? Yeah, and, and I just, I'm, I get kind of speechless. I... <laughs> it's okay, man. <laughs> we'll turn this off. Telton, thanks for uh, for letting me video you. Thanks for for uh, for letting me pray no, for you. No, thank you. Jesus is amazing. Come on. Woo! Wow. Man, I, I think of Tilden's story, and it's so inspiring. I, I had a moment this week. I was having coffee with a friend at Starbucks, a, a, a friend of mine in Bakersfield. I hadn't connected with this guy, and I just felt the spirit poke me to go have coffee with him. So I'm having coffee with him, and I'm encouraging him. And he's going through this real estate business. He's like on the top of his game, top real estate agent in Bakersfield. He's just crushing it. But yet at the same time, he's just really coming under attack. And I'm there giving him words of encouragement. And right in the middle of our conversation, this girl comes and sits right behind him. And the Holy Spirit's like, you guys are supposed to pray for her. And I knew she worked there because she served us coffee, and she's on her break. And I'm like, David, I go, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, man, and this God's moving with us, but I said, I just feel like he's moving us to go pray for her, and he goes, let's do it, and so he was just telling me that he's in a position, he has to hire some people, and it's just really great how God's blessing his real estate business, so we go talk to this girl, and I say, hey, excuse me, I, I just felt like we're supposed to pray for you, or Thing, are things going okay? And I'm a pastor uh, over here at a church, and I'm, we want to love you and just pray for you. Anything that's got you know got you tore up right now? She goes, actually, she goes, I, I kind of feel weird telling you this because I'm here at my job on my break, but I hate my job. <laughs> and she goes, I've been praying for a new job, and her her grandpa was a pastor, and I said, well, we're supposed to pray for you to have a new job. And right in the middle, David goes, well, what is it that you're supposed to or wanting to do? You know, you're working at Starbucks, and and she said, well. I want to get into real estate. I've been studying real estate. And David, I look at his face, and David's face is like this, going, he's like, what? I go, bro. I said, there's one of your employees right there. I said, just God just linked it up, and they exchanged numbers. And I said, well, we're still going to pray for you. And we pray for her. She starts crying. I mean, she had a breakthrough moment right there at Starbucks, all because we got this little nudge to get up and throw down a prayer for this girl, and that could have completely revolutionized her future, all because we got up and we went, church, get your get up back. Because there are miracles, there are God stories that he is wanting to produce through your life for someone else that desperately needs to see that God is real. Worship band, come on up. And as we just, as we just think, as we just think about the, the goodness of God, I, I, I have some homework for you. You guys like having homework? <laughs> homework at church is fun. So what I did, and we've done this before in Vegas, 
But I've made some cards, and some of you that have been with us from the very beginning in our life group sessions over at Best Western, you'll remember this. But we produced some cards, and in your program this morning, you have a sample of them, but we have more. We have more than what you have in your program on the table in the lobby. But this, this one right here, if you guys, I don't, did I give you the slides of ideas, uh, Jeremiah, of kindness as these guys kind of fire up? These are just some ideas. This is, this is how you can prime the pump to live by faith with these little cards that says something extra to show you God loves you. We started a revolution in Las Vegas by handing these cards out, especially in drive-thrus. Because see, in a drive-thru, when you pay for the person's meal behind you, they can't do anything about it. Because it's already paid for by the time they get up to the window. So as God nudges you, as he kind of pokes you, just know one of the best ways you can show the love of God is by blessing somebody with a kind act. These are just some ideas, but all of this is not so they go, oh, he's so kind. No, it's all so that you can help point people to Jesus. And so this little card can help pave the way. Maybe they'll hit our website. Maybe they'll come to church. We actually had this happen where somebody got a free latte at Starbucks in the drive-thru. They came to church the next Sunday, and they gave their life to Christ. True story, and they've been with us ever since. They're now involved in ministry, and what changed their life? A free latte at Starbucks from some random kind person that gave them a card like this and they took it seriously. I'm telling you, it can be as simple as that. These verse cards that we had printed up, they're different verses. Pray over these. People get excited when they open a fortune cookie and they're like, oh wow, there's a good fortune. How much more powerful would it be for somebody's life when you give them the word of God? So be spirit led. If there's a verse on here and like, just go like Mission Impossible. Wake up tomorrow and say, God, i got a scripture card. Lord, show me who I'm supposed to give it to today. And give it to him. And then if God would just give you the courage to say, can I pray for you as well as giving you this card? Because I just really feel something inside me that says you need some prayer right now. Folks, I'm telling you, this kind of lifestyle is not only going to change that person's life possibly, it is going to help you live by the faith that God intended you to live with from day one so that you can be the fully developed follower of Jesus that you're supposed to be. Let's pray. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.